Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. So welcome in everybody to episode number 208 of Linux in the Ham Shack, where it's our deep dive episode. And we are going to be taking a deep dive into logging. Logging for your amateur radio station. Because we talk about logging an awful lot, and we mention an awful lot of logging software, but we don't really get down into the meat of the matter. So we're going to do that today. And Bill, since you decided to pop this topic onto the Etherpad for the evening, I'll let you sort of lead the discussion. Oh, boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> wow, he sounds so excited. I know. Yes, yes, very excited. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was talking to Russ earlier today, and uh, I, was, I was trolling the IRC chat rooms, as I normally do. And I talked to uh, uh, VA3DB in the uh, Reddit net chat room, and he was uh, just, just telling us how awesome FreeBSD was. And, and I was like, okay, okay, what do you do with FreeBSD? And he's like, oh, I do, you know, WSGTX. And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's great. So uh, what do you use for like your, uh, your regular logger for all your stuff? And he's like, well, I, I don't really log. And I'm like, you don't log. <laughs> so what do you, what do you do to confirm contacts? Well, I don't really care about that. It's like, oh, okay. Well, this kind of put me on a tirade of, of trying to get FreeBSD on my machine, but uh, that failed miserably. So I decided we'll talk about logging instead. So uh, here we are in talking about logging and why why should I log? I mean, that's like the number one thing that we all ask ourselves. Back when, uh, you know, you first, back when amateur radio was getting started, you know, as an amateur, you were required to log every time you got on the radio, um, every bit of everything you did on the radio. So, uh, you know, we used to have to log everything. But today, you know, we do have that option of not having to log. But why should you log? And uh, one of the many things we talk about with logging, the, the advantage of doing it, not only you know who you worked before, so I mean that that's one thing, but you also know like what bands you were on at what time of the year and at what time of the day. So if you wanted to go back and look at what you what you know what bands were open last year on February twelfth at seven twenty, well or whatever time it is right now for you. You know, you would say, oh, yeah, I was on I was I was actively working 40 meters then. So let me turn on 40 meters. You know, so that's one one other thing that you can look at as a reason as why you should log. Mainly, you know, it is to to keep track of everything you do on the radio. Um, So you can uh, have that bit of information behind you when you want to go back and look at that. And so you can, uh, you know. Kind of keep track of what you're doing and how how your performance is, right? You know, we all want to know, like, you know, how many contacts did I make? You know, it's not a contest, you know, although we do log in contests, but it's important to know, you know, those kind of details of our activity. And uh, what would you say is a good reason why you should log? It's definitely useful for historical information, but I'm kind of curious from your perspective, do you actually go back and look at, and you know, from a performance analysis i mean do you actually think it's useful to know about 40 meters at a certain time of day on a certain day of the year especially since the solar cycle fluctuates all the time and the ionosphere is different all the time and you can make some generalizations about time of day and what bands are good and things like that but it's not always the case because there could be a solar storm on a particular day or or something like that I mean, it, I think it's useful from a perspective of knowing if you've talked to somebody before, and especially if you're going to exchange QSL cards or something like that, it would be nice to keep track of, you know, how often you've talked to somebody, for example. But yeah. um, I, I don't know from a, from a ham radio performance 
perspective if it's really that useful. I, I don't even think I've even considered doing logging for that purpose. <laughs> well, you know, I do, uh, I do participate in uh, a little bit of radio sport. So I tend to use my, my logs, which I, you know, put everything into one logger. Uh, to kind of go back and look at it's like oh, okay I'm I'm gonna go ahead and do the California Cuso party this year how did I do last year and where was my you know what were my money bands and stuff like that you know where did I spend most of my time where did I get my most of my contacts you know that that kind of information is is kind of valuable but uh, yeah yeah I mean, we do have the changing solar cycle and if I were to look at my log from seven years ago compared to today you know I would see the fact that you know wow you know uh you know 20 meters was open and 40 was closed you know i could only work in state on 40 but like today you could work 40 all over the u.s <laughs> and uh you know 20 is uh you know hit and miss you know 20 is acting like uh 10 would have been seven years ago so um yeah i mean it, it is useful for that yeah at that point and since we do have to deal with the solar cycle thing sometimes that information is uh is lagged you know, because the last year we had more sunspots. This year we don't have as many. So it's always changing. And yeah, so I mean, year to year, probably not as critical, except for like when I look at my radio sports stuff. Um, you know, I always want to kind of go back and look at that information and see that. But um, yeah, I, I also agree, you know, you're working in a station, you know, did I work them before? Especially if you're on WSJTX, you know, you're out there making a million contacts a second, right? You know, because it's all fully automated. Uh, yeah, you know, you gotta be able to not waste your time, you know, hold like minute and 15 seconds of your time working somebody you already worked before on the same band. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody wants to save a minute and a half of time, right? You like, I don't know, go get a cup of coffee or something. <laughs> so I have a question for you. That's not really on the list of things that you have here as topics to discuss, you talk about actually going back and doing historical analysis. So you, do you do that manually or do you have some sort of a statistical analysis engine that actually helps you pull out useful data from your backlogs? Uh, generally, I'll look by date. So, yeah, I'll just query into the database and uh, look at by date and uh, what I did. And then I'll look at the numbers. If I, you know, the software itself, CQR log has some statistics that it has for built-in stuff, like uh, doing IOTA stuff, uh, worked all zones, worked all contests uh, or continents and states and stuff like that. But for do more, you know, traditional analysis, I'll probably pull that file out into like calc and then uh, just run some numbers and and look at the time period and you know draw some pretty graphs and yeah, it's, it's I think it's uh, some useful information and you know the more the more data centric uh our, our our look this stuff becomes um you see more and more of it i mean did you uh just like we talked about what was it like i don't know maybe like 10 episodes ago we were talking about you know the rise and fall of uh f8 and jt65 and stuff like that and they were able to pull all that data out of club log and produce some really uh really interesting interesting visuals on the phenomena that is ft8 and I mean, you can do that similar kind kind of stuff and analysis on the data that you save on a regular basis in your logger. And in the chat room, we have a couple of comments about doing data analysis of your logs. And Gene BX8AAD says he uses LibreOffice Calc in order to do some analysis. And you've actually got LibreOffice Calc as a solution for doing logging as yeah, basically. Probably as low a level logger as you can get, which is basically one step above pen and paper. It's electronic ink, basically, for keeping your logs. It's certainly a simple way to do it. And Ted says for analysis, he lets EQSL do it for him. So I guess that's <laughs> yeah, one way there, to do there it is for a sure. Good information on those online systems, and we're going to talk about those as well. Um, you know, now that we kind of decided that, you know, oh, there's a possibility I should be logging if you're not, you know, if you're already logging, obviously that doesn't even you know, pertain to you. You know why you're logging. Um, the, 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 the things that go along with why you should log is, uh, is what you should log. And before we get into the software, I just kind of want to just, just touch base on, on this. Um, a lot of people like to log, you know, casual contacts, let's say on a repeater, D-Star, DMR, um, Fusion, you know, what, whatever whatever you may. You know, the one exception there might be like EV or something like that. But generally, the, those, those, those contacts that go over repeaters and stuff like that, 
um, you know, a terrestrial based repeater. So we're not talking a satellite that's completely different, but a terrestrial repeater or an internet based contact, those generally are not, are not, uh, loggable for, let's say, uh, awards based tracking. Now there are contests that are specific to this. Like I think there's a D star QSO party and stuff like that. You know, those kind of contacts at that point become a contest. So you do log those in a contest logger. But in general, I would say most people do not log those because they're generally not awards-based. And these are people that are chasing paper and stuff like that. Now, for fun, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember when I first became a ham. You know, I got on the repeater. I talked to a few people. We traded some QSO cards and stuff like that. Just It just kind of got me to know them and them to know me and stuff like that. It was a little more of a, a more personal touch to kind of a go beyond that, just that contact on the repeater. And that's perfectly acceptable. And, you know, you can't confirm the same grid square on a repeater or something like that for like a VHF, VUCC or something like that. But, um, you know, it is something that, you know, if it's not, if it's not going to be for that kind of thing or not for an awards base, and if that's what you're, that's what you're tracking in your logging system is all your awards based stuff. You probably don't want to log that stuff. You can, but you don't have to. You know, that's one of those contacts that are just, you know, it's like, eh, you know, yeah, I talked to talk to somebody on Reflector 25, blah, 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 <laughs> on D-Star. And, you know, you might want to trade a card with them just to maybe share that personal uh, contact and stuff like that. The, the, you know, you don't get credit for that state, I don't think, or that country or anything else like that. Um, so, you know, beyond the fun-based portion of that, yeah, you're probably not logging it. Now, SWL people, you know, that are that are listening for you, they'll log it. And they'll send you an SWL card. And I, I know I've received several over the you know the past twenty years that I've been a ham, and uh, I always respond to them. And you know those guys are taking time; they're logging and stuff like that. And you know it's pretty cool. Well, I can honestly say I've never received an SWL listener card. So. Really? Yeah, yeah I've, I, I've I, received several. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's because you're awesome, Bill. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, just Mister Ham Radio here. So, yeah. <laughs> so Cheryl's looking bored, but I was going to ask her as someone who hasn't really participated in the hobby yet if you but you know about getting qsl cards because you see me getting them all the time and all that so would you find it since since the requirement is no longer there that you need to log all your contacts if you were making contacts do you think you would use qsl cards as a way to keep a memory of the way you've you know been on the air or would you actually actively log to go back for information the problem with QSL cards is after a while you run out of storage space for them. Well, there are electronic <laughs> ones, and we're going to talk about electronic QSL cards here in a little bit. Well, so. right, but to actually get paper QSL cards. Well, yes. and They do take a lot of space. They, they do, do take a lot, lot of space. space yeah. And the electronic QSL cards can be a reflection of an actual QSL card, because sometimes you can have the picture of a physical QSL right. card in an eQSL. But sometimes you don't. And sometimes the same way that having a book is better than having an e-reader, it's nicer to have an actual... An actual paper copy. The, I see pros and cons with both. You know, the, the pros of having the actual honest-to-goodness cards is you've got them. The only way you're going to lose them is if your house burns down. <laughs> right, or house fire, yeah. Right. Yeah. Or if, you just lose them. Or you just lose them, <laughs> yeah. But storage is an issue. As, you know, if you're on the radio occasionally, yeah, no, no big deal. But if you're on the radio constantly, you start getting thousands of QSL cards. That becomes an issue very quickly. Well, and a lot of folks don't actually send QSL cards or they send through bureaus and things like that. So if you're looking for a QSL card, somebody from, you know, the Ukraine might send you one through their QSL bureau and it might take you two years to get To get one. that card. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So. But now, with, with eQSL cards, though, if something crashes, all that stuff is gone. Well, with eQSL specifically, and like trusted QSL, that's all stored on a presumably backed up central repository. Well, it's, we'll just assume they're backed up. Uh, yeah. And uh, if they're not, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. But you're also, if you're doing things electronically, you also need to maintain your own backups for sure. I mean, you can't you can't rely on where you're sending those electronic QSLs. I mean, you've got to have your own copies. Well, right. and But we've also faced the, the problem of, 
having hard drive failures and me freaking because we got pictures <laughs> yes. of my dad were gone. <laughs> hard drive failures at your place? Never. Yeah, no, no, never. Really no, in the, yeah, and this happened like six months ago. We thought that we yeah. had lost all the pictures of my dad. And I well, was basically crying all weekend while Russ is like, calm down. I'm trying to get them. <laughs> so. Well, let's let the cat out of the bag on this. I mean, you know, the paper QSLs have definitely decreased over the years. And that's because we have the ability now to do electronic QSLing. Right. Right. So, so, you know, I know I personally do not send cards out unless someone has requested a card. Right. So, yeah, I, I just, you know, unless there's something I want, like if I want the card from somebody, I, I'll send them a card first and I'll send them a, you know, self-addressed stamped envelope and, and please uh, hopefully send me a I get card a card back. back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And Russ if, has spent the whole weekend though working on cards. Well, that's because <laughs> I'm doing cards for a worked all states net or actually a several worked all states nets and they actually require that you send cards. And I yeah. have been uh, notably lax in doing that. So yeah, because you said you were sending cards out that were ten years old. <laughs> well, that was for a different thing. I, I had one card that I don't know where I got it from or when I got it, but it was clearly back in sometime in two thousand and nine. So sorry, whoever that was, but you are, you are actually going to get a QSL card. They're probably so, looking right. at it like what. <laughs> right now wa0eir in the chat room says that eqsl now has an echo link award for uh, 25 qsos so that would be an awards awards based tracking so yeah i mean there's a reason to log a, a, an internet based uh contact and there might be very specific things to that you might not be able to do that in a conference node you might have to be a, do a direct connect and stuff like that i don't know the exact rules of that with eqsl and uh, we have uh, another person in the chat room just said hi, uh, KF7IJZ. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Yes, and, welcome. Um, welcome to this crazy discussion about logging. Yeah, I know. yeah we're deep it's diving just... into the logging here. So <laughs> let's let's move on to, to the sharing the log. You did, and, you did point out one thing, though, about awards tracking, and that is definitely a reason to be logging. If you are actively chasing awards of any kind, yes. you really need to be logging. I mean, there's there's really no two ways around that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're not going to get an award by uh, by uh, paper, pen and paper. I mean, you can. We used to do that all the time, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't recommend it. It's not uh, it's not something that's easy to do because eventually you're going to have to put it into an electronic format to get it to one of these many services that we're going to talk about here. Um, that that basically do the confirmation uh, for you. Basically, uh, these are online log sharing programs or log validation. Uh, uh, platforms, I guess we could call them, not necessarily uh, programs, um, uh, take care of that matching your contact with the person you contacted if you both log, share your log to the same system. So the ones we're going to talk about are Logbook of the World, which of course is the ARRL one. And uh, that's the one that you have to use the trusted QSL program for. And of course that is available in Linux and uh, Mac and, you know, Mac and uh, Windows. Uh, EQSL, that we mentioned that several times already. That's a, a log sharing um, uh, platform. Club Log, HRDNet, QRZ. Yeah, Ooh. that's the yeah, <laughs> that's the famous call sign lookup that everybody hates. No, <laughs> not everybody. Well, cer but. certain people hate it, uh, yeah, myself included. Yeah, yeah. and uh, there's there's possibly more that I'm not listing. I mean, can you think of any that that aren't off the top of my head here? I can't think of one off the top of my these, head that's these not are the that big list. ones. Yeah, they're I mean, definitely the major ones. The top three are Logbook of the World, EQSL, and Club Log, you know, by far. Everybody else is kind of, you know, ancillary. You know, QRZ is, uh, you know, very basic logging. I think you can even log a hello when you get on the web page there. So it might not be quite as useful. But, uh, you know, Logbook of the World, EQSL, and Club Log all have their own internal awards programs that uh, they'll, they'll, basically work your log against others and then also look at against metrics for certain awards programs. Like, uh, like was just said in the chat room, the, uh, there's an echo link award on EQSL. It's not in logbook of the world and it's not in club log. Um, logbook of the world has basically all your ARRL, uh, tracking stuff. So your worked all States, worked all continents, um, uh, triple play, uh, worked all, you know, five band awards and stuff like that. Um, it is a little bit higher barrier of entry to get into the logbook of the world because you do have to get a certificate and that certificate does have to be renewed. It's not impossible to do it. It, it doesn't take very much for a U.S. person to do it. 
it takes a little bit more effort for a foreign or a DX station to get a logbook of the world um, entry. Um, EQSL is a pretty much a wide open platform. They have the ability to uh, also do the same SL service. Um, some of the, the, the EQSL stuff, like so here's what happens. The EQSL log confirmations are not good for awards at the ARRL, as far as I'm aware. You have to use their service in order to get the ARRL awards. And vice versa, I don't think you can use the logbook of the world to you know dump into EQSL, although you can dump the same log into both places, and then you can get awards from both. So, I mean, they both have their own worked-all states, worked-all zones. Logbook of the World also supports CQ. Uh, I think there's several CQ awards programs that run through there now, worked-all zones. And um, they just added one, too. I can't remember which one they just added. I'll have to check their website here shortly. But um, so what? I mean, what's the luck here? So you have all these shared programs. You're sharing your log. You know, what is the confirmation rate? I mean, what's the confirmation rate when you send out a card? Do you always get your cards back? Are you Probably. asking me if I get my yeah, cards back? No, because yeah. no, that uh, I'd say the confirmation rate on on paper QSLs is pretty darn low, actually. Yeah, yeah. Even when you send the SAZY, sometimes you might not get it. Now I know I'm guilty too. Uh, <laughs> if I get it and I'll, I'll set it aside, and uh, it'll become a stack of stuff that eventually is like, oh yeah, I got to do all these QSL cards because <laughs> uh, you know I've had guys do send another card, another SAZY, and I really feel bad. Then I'm like, oh, I send their other SAZY back with it. <laughs> it's like sorry i know i'm a douchebag i didn't send your log back um so yeah i mean there's people that really want their card back now i gave you my personal experience with uh logbook of the world because i pulled my numbers up here just uh just to see the confirmation rate so through logbook of the world this is be you know domestic and dx contacts you know i've, I've pushed in 5850 contacts in there it has confirmed 3481 of those so 59 60 percent almost 60% of the contacts are confirmed through Logbook of the World, which is not bad. I've heard of a lot worse through Logbook of the World. So it, it's it's not a bad rate, and it automatically tracks all your awards for you if you put in for those. Of course, you know, it's like anything. Yeah, you can get the award, but guess what? You have to pay for it to get shipped to you, right? <laughs> you, when you apply for it, you, you send a check. And uh, this seems to be a common theme amongst all of them because, you know, they really don't charge for the service. There's no charge for using Logbook of the World. There's no charge for using EQSL. There's no charge for Club Log that I can think of unless you do the OQRS thing where you buy QSLs. Oh, I mean, sorry. <laughs> Help fund de-expeditions with paying for uh, a QSL card. <laughs> Not like you can really buy a contact on a certain band at any time. But, you know, I'm just saying. Um, HRD net, I have absolutely no idea. I know you can use it and not have HRD, um, cause that is available through, hello dog. <laughs> <laughs> and QRZ, you know, again, you don't have to pay for the log, but I'm not sure if like, if confirmation is, is part of that. At some point you do have to have a subscription service with QRZ. So, uh, you know, but I don't know of any specific QRZ things. It's really kind of hokey at best. It was kind of like just, just kind of slapped on uh, several years ago as kind of an afterthought of the uh, the, the program as uh, QRZ became this bloated beast that it is today. Um, but not to take anything away from that, you know, not like, you know, what Rust hates about it, but um, <laughs> it's just know, a, it's all... a simple thing that I hate about it. I mean, yeah. just having to log in to, to do simple data queries when you don't even have to do that on the FCC website, it seems pointless to me. Yeah. But. So, so almost all of these systems require you to push a ADIF file, and this is basically a generic formatted XML file that has your log information. You know, includes the contact, the date, time, band, mode. You know, your on time, off time, signal reports, and stuff like that, and grid squares, and any other information. Like for satellite, it'd be the satellite itself and stuff like that. Um, you know, so you have to create this electronic file. So you're not pen and papering that. Yeah, you can get out your text editor, you know, bring up VI or Emacs or, you know, Notepad and, you know, start typing away your little carrots and, and everything else. But, uh, you know, at some point you'll either commit suicide or uh, you'll actually start using an electronic logger. So it's important that you find a logger that kind of does most of this stuff for you because it is uh, slightly painful to hand. Well, I guess it's not terribly painful. I mean, to hand sign a uh, ADIF file to send up to logbook of the world 
I know you do that, right? No, I don't hand sign everything. I mean, well, not hand sign, but I mean, you manually sign it with the application. Yes, yeah, so I use the application to sign it, and that's the one reason that the AWRL only likes logs that go through Logbook of the World because, apart from them having the central repository for that information, they also do actually cryptographically sign those logbook entries so they they are like cryptographically verifiable yeah yeah so uh and as a wa0eir said in the chat room for eqsl you need to be a current member or make a donation basically uh to receive one of their awards the same thing you gotta you gotta pay for the awards right you know because they're right you know and gene Gene says his uh his rate is 29 percent, so very very low but he, gets, yeah. he does a lot of DX work. So, And, you know, I think that goes both ways because we think of DX as anything outside of the United States, of course, and a lot of those stations don't respond or they respond very, very slowly, and I kind of feel like the other way around is also true. So if you're an Italian station or an Estonian station or something like that, you probably get a pretty low rate from the U.S. as well. Yeah, yeah, especially for cards and stuff like that because it has to go through the Bureau. You know, it is, it is slightly advantageous to, to have them on that program if they're going to even bother to work U.S. stations just because it makes it easy for them. That's why they're part of Club Log and EQSL. And, you know, you just have to figure out how to get from there to Logbook of the World on your own, which is most likely sending a card through the Bureau to get a, a confirmation. But um, so let's talk about some of the applications that make this easy. And let's also point out right off the top that if you're going to use any of these applications, you probably want to use one that supports ADIF format. I'm pretty sure all of these do, and they might even have their own proprietary. I don't want to say proprietary. It's not really the right word, but their own format or something like that. But you want one that has a centralized, easily recognized format so that if you happen to use three different loggers for three different applications, or use perhaps a built-in logger for an application that you can export it to a file that you can perhaps concatenate together and then upload fully to Logbook of the World or EQSL or something like that, and you don't have to worry about formatting. So Yeah, exactly. So just be conscious of the format that these loggers can save in and just be consistent across whichever ones you choose. Yeah, and we're only going to mention programs that run in Linux because, hey, we're a Linux podcast. So... uh Number one, we're going to talk about CQR log, and we've mentioned this you know numerous times. Pretty much every time I talk about logging, I talk about CQR log. I think it's uh, probably, <clears throat> I would say, the gold standard for Linux logging if you want something fully featured. Gold standard has, for Linux logging means Bill uses it. Yeah, that's right. Now, if I'm using it, it's the gold <laughs> standard. Right. Now, <laughs> I know people use other logs, and, and they're perfectly happy with them. Um I just like CQR log because it, it really does have just about everything. You know, you don't even have to use half of it to realize that, you know, wow, it, it does that too. You know, <laughs> you know, it, it has a built-in, you know, handling for creating the ADF files for export. In fact, it has, you know, a direct linking to a trusted QSL. So you basically click a button and all it does is pop up for your password for your uh, signing your file. If you if you're smart enough to put a, a password on your uh, your your certificate that you got from Logbook of the World, um, and then it's boom, it sends it off automatically. You don't have to go to the website and upload it, do anything manual. It does the exact same thing with EQSL. It pushes it up uh, with your authentication privileges. And I will It'll say also- that if you're going to use EQSL for any of this, you definitely want to use an API interface to EQSL because the web interface to EQSL is horrifying. Yeah, it is horrifying. <laughs> so yeah, I actually haven't been on the website <laughs> in so long. The only time I go to the website is to re- is to get my password. <laughs> it's it's not even Web 1.0. It's like Web 0.1. It's, it's kind like of Geo-Cities. like it's GeoCities type web. Yeah. So yeah, with, without all the blinking, it right. doesn't have blinking. So. It does not have blinking, but it's damn close. Don't give them that idea though. Right. I said that. <laughs> so CQR log will also upload to Club Log. Uh, I think it also does uh, HRD Net. I'm not sure about QRZ, but I know it does the club log and HRD net automatically as well. And that, that can happen right after you do a contact. So EQSL and Logbook the World, because you normally batch load that stuff, they don't want to see a contact at a time. Um, those are actually reserved and you have separate buttons at the top of the screen for those. Um, but you can set up club log and HRD net to go automatically every time you make a contact. And uh, those those services consume those uh, just as is, and they like it that way. They they want to consume stuff one at a time because processing big log files is is slightly uh, you know temperamental to do that. 
Uh, plus, CQR Log does fully interface with uh, programs like WSJTX and FL Digi. It can a- a- operate those programs in remote mode, which basically means it's sucking in the log from WSJTX when you click, you know, log QSO now. It'll just go right in. And same thing with FL Digi. You know, you press the little enter button or whatever that little icon is. I think it looks like an enter key myself. Um, and, the, and it goes right into your, uh, your uh, CQR log. So you don't have to maintain a log in WSJTX and a log in FL Digi and then import those back into your program that automatically does all that stuff. That's why I say it's, it's kind of the full featured thing. Um, the next one on our list is a PyLog. This one is a, you know, got a lot of activity. I think it was the last time I did a GitHub and in the ham shack, it was, uh, it was on the list for uh, updates. Um, it's a great little logger and it's, uh, it's getting more and more features as it goes. So, you know, keep an eye out for this one. This one could be the, uh, the new gold standard, as soon as I adopt it, I think. that's, that's Right, how as soon works. as you start using it, it'll be the one we talk about most, right? The CQR <laughs> log will just get pushed into the trash bin, yes. and we'll never talk about it at all. Sorry, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it, if it wasn't rant, you know, if it wasn't written in Pascal, <laughs> uh, I would probably help out <laughs> with it, because there, Cause I'd have to dig way back. I would like to add on to it, but right. I, uh, every time I open up uh, the editor in Pascal, I just kind of, you know, throw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to go back to my early college days to even remember what Pascal was like, because those those were the two programming languages I first uh, learned first, Pascal and Fortran. Yeah, and that's that's Dark Ages type stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean this is quite it, it's 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 quite advanced. It's not it doesn't it doesn't remind me of the Pascal that I back then. You know, it's definitely more modern. Uh, you know, probably more revisions since you know whatever 30 years ago or something like that um but yeah, anyway so we, we've we've passed the hercules cga chipset at this point so yes 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 we're way out of there so yeah pylog you know keep an eye out for it you know it has everything you need to do logging and everything else and uh you know if you run wsjtx or fl digi you can just easily just save your log and dump those and import it back into pylog and they have a great and simple uh import interface and it'll merge the log right in there with it so you don't have any problems with that and then you could write out to your adif file and then you'll have to sign it with trusted qsl or you know go up to the eqsl website and kind of you know kind of squint your eyes a little bit so you, it looks like it's all shiny and new and uh, click the upload button there uh, the next one is uh, xlog it's a uh, again it's a uh, fairly basic I, I think it has everything you need though i haven't used xlog in quite a while but i, I remember it having uh, adif format and everything else um, and a lot of these also can handle Cabrillo format. So if you use the contest logger or something like that, you can also bring that in and then turn it into an ADIF. Um, Xlog uh, just basically uses the X11 dev type stuff. So it doesn't require anything fancy to run. And it's also, it's, it is simple, but it's also simplified. So it's very easy to use. It, it looks old and clunky. But it's also a great lightweight logger. I mean, CQR log actually requires some processing power just to run itself. Well, it requires MySQL running. So. Right. You actually have <laughs> yeah. to have a database backend. But yeah. Xlog is much lighter weight. And yeah, and we Pylog use, is much lighter weight, too. Right. So we like when we're at Hamvention and stuff like that, we'll demo those as opposed to CQR log, although we do demo CQR log as well. But they're they're just much simpler to get up and running and easier to use. So yeah, because I mean, CQR log has so many features that you can just blow your head off. You know, trying to figure. Yeah, out Yeah, it took me it like six videos to show it off. So you know, yeah, yeah. You definitely check out our YouTube channel on that, and you can see everything that I got to work with CQR log, just to see what I'm talking about. Um, you can use applications that have their own logging. So let's say you're a WSJTX user. Uh, those files they do have an export to ADIF. Um, you could use that as your logger. If it's the only thing you use, you know, let's say you're an FTA guy and that's, that's all you use. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was reading the chat room. <laughs> you were doing that answer and I was like, Oh, it's movie. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that, that you can do itself, uh, have the ADIF file. So let's say you're only doing FT8, fine, do it FT8, you know, use that, export the ADIFs, sign it with the uh, trusted QSL, send it up to logbook of the world. And, and 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 retain those ADIFs, save those as a backup. You don't want to lose those files. Uh, FL Digi, they have a built-in logger as well. I, th- I think the uh, FL log program is available as a separate module in Linux. Um, I I haven't used it in, in quite a while, but I know it's uh, it's basically what FL Digi will log to if you have nothing else. So it has its own built-in logger, and it's it's full featured. You can even use it as a contest logger and whatnot. Um, 
And uh, you you would want to, uh, again, export at ADIF. I don't think there's built-in support for, you know, exporting directly to Logbook of the World through Click Easy Button or EQSL. So all that stuff would have to be more manual. And and as we went down the list, that's kind of, you know, the, the whole thing is you're going to be manual, manual, manual. And uh, that's not a bad thing, but it's just going to require you to do a little extra work to get that contact back up into the shared, you know, into the cloud, the mysterious cloud of uh, of uh, of Internet uh, stuff and <laughs> those interwebs right the logger of things yeah the logger of things so i also put tuknak in here just because it sounds cool and i always like to say that <laughs> uh, it's just a contest logger i know it exports in cabrillo format which of course you can turn back into adif adif pretty easy with something else and i think it does do export to adif i'd have to confirm that but uh um, for contest logging, yeah, it's a pretty slick little logger. I'm always quite impressed with it. You know, it reminds me of the old CT days and stuff like that of uh, contest logging. Um, the last one I have listed here is one we talked about already is LibreOffice Calc. So if you're you're you just really want to have your pen and paper, you know, this is a way for you to have your pen and paper. You can actually have a spreadsheet. And there are some uh, websites. I'll have to research that a little bit, but I remember seeing. Sp- Places where you could take a CSV file, which is basically what you're creating with the, you know, the 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 Excel or you know Calc spreadsheet, uh, and and turn that into an ADIF by basically just mapping the columns and saying, you know, this is the QSO, this is my station, person I contacted, signal report, band mode, and stuff like that. So as long as you've defined all those columns in your spreadsheet, that would be a complete logging solution. There's no reason why you can't use that. I mean, you know, I know people that still use Excel for uh, logging and, you know, calc for logging. Uh, You you know, some people are more comfortable doing it that way. They don't want to program. They don't want to get into, you know, doing some stupid HRD deluxe or something, you know, terrible like that, you know, because they haven't found Linux. (laughs) Right. And since since ADF is basically like XML, it's very easy to convert a CSV file and just basically surround everything with the appropriate tags and you have ADIF format. It's, It's really not that hard to convert. No, and I think you could probably even uh, Google around a little bit or, you know, duck, duck, go around a little bit and, and find those uh, macros that you can load into uh, uh, LibreOffice and, and actually generate an ADIF, you know, natively from uh, from Calc itself. I know I, I've done some XML writes from spreadsheets before, and it's a, it's pretty easy code. So you're not, you're not, you're not doing a lot of uh, hardcore coding and stuff like that. So anything else we can think about uh our deep dive here into logging. I know we touched on a lot of topics and software and sharing and stuff like that. Uh, anything you can think of? Well, I think we might be able to summarize a little bit. I think it's important to use a logger that you're comfortable with. I mean, I would definitely try a few of them, see which ones work for you and especially work or maybe integrate directly with the applications you use. You want to keep something that has a very standardized format so that no matter where you're logging from, you can consolidate and upload to wherever you need to be. You probably need to be a part of some online conglomeration of logs, whether it be Logbook of the World, EQSL, uh, you know, Club Log, or all of the above. Uh, because yep. some people log exclusively to one or the other, and you, if you're especially chasing information and you want to keep as much of this you know, uh, confirmation rate up, uh, you probably need to be at least a part of as many of them as as possible, and they're all basically free to access, except for you know having to throw a few bucks here and there, depending on what you're doing. Yeah, but, if you want the award or the piece of paper, right? So, I mean, all of this is pretty low cost, and it, they do, you know, presumably they have uh, good backed up copies and everything. But you always want to make sure you keep your own, so that you know, case of disaster, you have some way to recover. And uh, I. I would highly recommend on your own logs that you make sure that you have lots of copies in multiple physical locations if you can do that. Maybe just get a cheap uh, storage uh, VPS up at like DigitalOcean or something and just keep your logs there as well as on your home box just so you have a secondary copy somewhere. Because as long as you have the information in a format like ADIF, you can always recreate and re-upload and, and uh, you know, add back into applications if you have to reinstall and stuff like that. So uh, you always want to have that information available if you can. And that reminds me, uh, you know, you could even have your logging program up in the cloud. You know, we talked about, uh, what was it, Cloud Log was one of them? Yes. And uh, there was one other. I there was remember. another one. I can't remember what it was either. 
<laughs> but yeah, there are solutions where, yeah, you could spin up a box in the cloud and have it, uh, have it, uh, basically, you know, be your, your, your logger and it'll also do ADIF and, and everything else. And so I'll, I'll add a cloud log to that list and I'll look up the other one too. Okay. I just can't remember off the top of my head if that's the one that we both installed <laughs> was there like a php log or something like that there was a there's a php logger um i think the last time we looked at the last release i i basically said nah <laughs> yeah i wanted to it write one a of those. little bit more polish on it uh, i mean it's still usable don't take me wrong. I mean, you know, especially if you're the author, don't take me wrong. <laughs> it's just not something that I would I would use, you know. Um, you know, throw a bootstrap on it, make it look new, and and then call it good. Um, but uh, yeah, Cloud Log is really good. It has mapping and everything else. It's pretty slick. Uh, I think that's a that's a P, uh, Peters, isn't it? Two E zero, yeah, uh, QSL, two E zero, QSL, something like that. Um, I'm sure think, we could look it up. Cheryl's supposed to be the one who. Yeah, sure. I'll look that up. <laughs> she's supposed to be Googling all that stuff. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's getting sidetracked. <laughs> You're supposed to be Googling Wait. cloud log. Cloud log. I'm learning about the Silhouette Cameo right now. You're, oh, you're okay. supposed to be participating in our program right now. You have all afternoon and all evening to do to work with your camera. My, my brain is fried at this point. All right, so so find our web based loggers. One's cloud log, and there's another one, and neither of us can remember what it is right now. So while we're uh, doing yeah, that, yeah, cloud log is uh, is Pete's two e zero QSL two e zero QSL right. So that's and that's uh, cloudlog.co.uk. It's a PHP and MySQL application, and uh, yeah, it's sexy. It has a cat control and stuff like that that you can load on the local computer. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty slick. Which, it's pretty. Which slick. by the way is really cool. Having a remote interface with a local actual connection to your rig. That's that's pretty cool yeah yeah so so yeah check those out and yeah you know if you're not logging you should probably log that's I mean, one thing we didn't talk about actually is that you might want to find a logger or choose a logger that actually uses your rig interface to get information oh that's true so you don't have to enter for example the frequency you're on because it's pulling it directly from the radio while you're doing it and most of these will do that automatically so you don't have to really worry about it yeah almost all these use hamlib or they have their built-in uh, connectivity to it, but I think almost all these use Hamlib as a uh, as an option. And uh, we just did our last uh, long topic on Hamlib, so go back and rewind back to that that uh, episode if you uh, if you don't use Hamlib and and want to use Hamlib, so you don't have to enter uh, what 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 station or what frequency your radio is on when you make the call. It it makes it so much more pleasant. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> to log contacts, especially when you get into radio sport, it becomes a little bit more critical because, uh, you know, they've, they're slowly getting away. It's taken many years, but you know, with the advent of cat control and, and, and it being, being the, the standard now for, for all rig interfacing and stuff like that. Um, they're slowly getting away from the, your ability to confirm contacts just based on band and mode. You know, it's, it's, yeah, you can't just say 14.2 megahertz and SSB for, you know, 300 contacts in the contest. You know, they want to actually know which frequency because they're, they're, their matching algorithms are, are working on that stuff now because, you know, hey, there, there are some people that do cheat. <laughs> um, and, what are you talking you know, about? No one cheats at this. Oh, it's it's gotten so excessive now that, you know, some guys even have to record. Like if you're in the top five, you better have audio for everything. Oh, really? I didn't know. Oh yeah, if you're in the big contest like CQ Worldwide or something like that, I'm fairly certain you have to you have to have an audio transcript of everything. Oh, how much fun! Nice. So Cheryl has found some information, I think. Yeah, okay. there's there's Cloud Log. Yes, we knew that one. Right, and there's Log Four OM. Oh, Log Four OM. Yes, I remember that's that. One. So. Does that one run on Linux? Yes. Uh, oh, that's a Windows one, actually, isn't it? Yes, I, that's Windows. Is it? Yeah, I believe okay. Log Four OM is Windows. Yeah. Okay. So. Now you can run that with crossover or wine, most likely, much like N1MM. You can kind of get it working. Um, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I would not recommend that. No, there's there's specifically a web based one like CloudLog that we're not able to bring up. Yeah, right. and it's very similarly named as CloudLog. It's 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 something similar. but yeah it's it it doesn't matter it's it's fine so yeah so if you're if you're not logging log if you have a logger you know make sure it's connected to your rig and make sure your rig can connect to the log 
So uh, there you go. All right. So let's just take a quick poll of the chat room. We do have quite a few folks in there who are talking. We have uh, WA0EIR, VE2HS, and let's see, who else did we have in there? We have BX8AAD and KF7IJZ. KF7IJZ. And that's all I see. Well, yeah, John, the nice guy there, but well, that was earlier today. Yeah, so. that was earlier. He's <laughs> he is gone now. So, but does anyone have anything else they would like to add on the topic of logging before we jump into our announcements and feedback for for this week or K log? No, K log is just K log. Yeah, that's KDE. I think that was an older one. Yeah, it's it says for Linux OS X and Windows. So, yeah. Lin log. Yeah. Yep. Nope. nope. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll dig it up later and put it in yeah, the, we'll dig it up yeah. later in the show notes in the show and, notes uh, yeah yeah there's also a uh, one that stands alone in like an electron app too so i'll find that one as well we've covered these before uh on the show so you can dig through our previous episodes and find them as well so let's get on to uh, announcements and feedback all right very good that was uh quite a deep dive into logging hopefully somebody will pull an interesting or useful nugget out of all of that um <laughs> So we'll move on to a couple of announcements first, and those would be upcoming ham fests that we will probably be at. We are not 100% confirmed on these, but I have been asked to do a talk at the Ors Ham Fest. Uh, that's the Ozark Area Radio Society. That's the one that's right here five minutes from my house. That one is going to be on March 24th, which is a Saturday from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m., and I'm not sure what I'll be doing a presentation on, but I'll guess i'll something. think of something between now and then so <laughs> i mean i did a basic intro to linux in the ham shack the the first time around i don't know that i want to repeat that so i'll, I'll figure something out you could do linux in the ham shack 2.0 maybe i'll just play a transcript of the deep dive into logging there you go there you go i'll put them to sleep <laughs> <laughs> yeah. come take a nap in the air conditioning listen to our logging episode yeah, hopefully to be heat it's, yeah you know, last year i think it was sleeting or the year before one or the other. So, That's so great. the next one will be in April of this year in Claremore, Oklahoma. That's the Green Country Ham Fest. We were there last year, and they've asked us to be there again this year and given us the opportunity to have our same booth and all of that. So we might just show our faces at the Green Country Ham Fest. But even if we don't, you can show up there on the 13th and 14th of april uh the friday night is from 49 p.m and the saturday is from 8 a.m to 3 p.m and hopefully we'll be able to make it out there for that so uh maybe we'll see you all there and then we have quite a bit of feedback this time so we'll talk about the first one we got which is from joe k0neb and the cat in the hat yeah he is the cat in the hat if you've ever been to hamvention you see him wandering around with an antenna stuck out of his uh cat cat. (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um, I think I just turned myself down. No, I guess I'm back you to sound where the same I went. To me. Yeah, it sounds yeah. the same. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I started playing around with buttons and I shouldn't do that. Um, <clears throat> so, anyway, Joe asks Do you have a distro available that has the latest version of WSJTX pre installed? I was thinking of repurposing a couple of older laptops to run FT8. Thanks. 73 day Kevin, uh, Kevin K0NEB, <laughs> Joe. The cat Joe. in the hat. I don't know. It turned Joe into Kevin somehow. Joe Eisenberg. Yep. So, and I don't know of one that actually has the very latest version of WSJTX right. pre-installed, unless you want to use Ubuntu and install the PPA, because that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Well, you know, you don't even have to do that, really. I mean, j- just get any of the latest distros. doesn't matter which one. Whichever one will run on whatever you're putting it on. So those older laptops might need, like, LXDE or something like that or some lower graphical user interface Linux. And just download, you know, stick with Debian. Make it easy on yourself. <laughs> get a Debian install. Get a Ubuntu. Get, you know, Linux Mint. Um, any Any Debian-based or Ubuntu-based system. Uh, would be ideal, and then just go to the WSJTX site and download the Debian, the DEB file uh, for your platform, and you're off to the races. I, so I you think can just, he was hoping for something that was already pre-installed that didn't require any extra work, but again, I don't think we know of anything that actually I don't, fits I don't, that bill. I don't think the latest version is in any of the dis- in the repos right now. Yeah, I don't believe so either. So and you, I don't even, I'm, I'm running 18.04 here now, beta, and let me just do a quick uh, search on that because uh, it should be here. WSJTX. 
it is one notable problem with keeping things in a repository because they are not necessarily right up to date. No, no. So WSJTX is yeah still running an older version in uh, Bionic. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to get updated as well. Um, yeah, best best thing to do if you don't want to mess around PPAs and all that you know typing stuff that I did, you can just go direct to the you know to the the you know Joe Taylor's website there and and click the download WSJTX. Find the one that says you know 1.8 or whatever the latest version is, you know for AMD 64.deb, and you can install that directly into any Debian-based system pretty quickly. I don't think there's there's many uh, uh, requirements, and if there is, as long as you use like the uh, the graphical installer like GW or whatever one comes with the particular system you chose, uh, it should go ahead and grab all the dependencies for it, so you don't have to really think about that. Um, and you should be off, off pretty quick. It's, it's very painless. Very, very painless. I would tend to agree. So hopefully that's useful information. And sorry, Joe, we couldn't provide you one that already has it pre-installed, but it's really easy to get. Super easy. Yeah. All right. So moving on, I don't know how to do this next one. I guess I'm going to try and do it exactly the way it's written. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, so this was a comment on episode number 203, which was our episode on choosing a Linux distribution. And I think we were both sick. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what the nature of this is, but I think I have an idea. So the, the comment goes like this. <coughs> Quite literally, that is what the comment is. Um, you know, we're really trying to lessen our, our amount of editing in this podcast. So we're allowing certain things to slide through. Uh, in the interest of getting more content to you more rapidly. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Oh, that, that's okay. So, so the only thing that's interesting to me about this comment is who made it. The, the person who made this comment is H.J. Lou. And I don't know, do you all know who H.J. Lou is? Because I do. Oh, I don't. H.J. Uh, Lou is the person who created Yggdrasil Linux. Way, 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 way back. back. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're talking before Slackware. This is um, there was real before Slackware. Yes, there was, <laughs> and Yggdrasil was one of those things. That was wow. something we discussed in one of our, um, uh, yeah, our meetups that we used to do. Now I don't know if he's suggesting that we should be looking at Yggdrasil as a Linux in the Hamshack distribution because I'm pretty sure it's been dead for 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. I guess we'll just leave it there because I have nowhere to go with that. <laughs> I know there was one of those that we were both sick, and yeah, it was it was painful to 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 uh, to do the podcast, let alone probably listen <laughs> right. to it. I do listen to all of them over again. So <laughs> Yes, I do as well. Uh, but the coughs yeah. go a lot quicker when you listen to it faster. Yes, yes. Yeah. I always listen at one and a half <laughs> they speed. They tend not to last quite as long. Right. <laughs> all right. So we have a couple of simple ones here. So, Cheryl, you want to read these? So um, we'll, Yeah, let me get back. <laughs> get back to the etherpad. Right. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Google, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> no, I think she's still in silhouette mode. No, no, so. no. I was actually looking at Just Googling. So, okay. Something right. in the chat. Yeah. So um, the next one is a comment on episode 206 from Chris, K9CAB. It says, do you happen to have a Google Hangout or Slack room for the show? Chris, K9CAB. And the answer to that is we do not. We do not have a Slack room or a Google Hangout. We record via Mumble. And when we do our weekenders, we open up the mumble to folks who want to just jump in and chat if they want to do that. And we also have our IRC channel, which is Octothorpe LHS podcast on the Freenode network. And all of that information is in the outro. So uh, you can check that out. We do have a channel over on Discord, which Bill set up, but we don't really use it. So yeah, and I once in a blue moon, we have done a Google Hangout. Yes, we yes. Will. We'll be very blue. But that that well. will be announced in ahead of time, like on right. Twitter or something like that. If we're going to actually do a video hangout, so you'll you'll know about it if we do. Yeah. All right. So the next one. Me. Yeah. You. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So our next one is a comment as well on episode two zero six from Taryon, Katie nine I L I. He says, "I sure do enjoy the deep dives, New Ham and New to Linux." That's very Great. good. I had to yeah. look him up today to find out what his call sign was. I actually did some investigation. 
he was he was being kind of cryptic, but I found him. <laughs> and he was licensed in April of 2017. So he wow. is a Brand new ham. So yeah. thanks for tuning into the program, and we're glad you like the the new deep dives and the new format. And we're glad you're getting into Linux and ham radio. It's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. So we also have a Google Plus comment from No way. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The Mountain RN. So apparently he's a nurse in the hills of the someplace. Somewhere, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that could be anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Yeah. Now, his English was fairly broken, so I'm guessing the mountain we're speaking of is not in the United States. I, I cleaned it up as best I could. And he says, recently installed Linux Mint on a tough book. Been inspired by your show. While trying to play with my ICOM ID 888-880H with Chirp, here's yeah. what happened. And what happened was he was running Chirp, and then all of a sudden his X display just went like absolutely crazy, and <laughs> it you know, blew up, I guess. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, he says it uses a 9-pin cable for the data. And uh, the, the video he posted was on Google+, but it's not public, so you can't really see it. And uh, I did see it, and no one else really saw it here. So um, I don't have any idea what <laughs> what happened there, but it was definitely weird. It looked yeah. more like um, an X an X Windows video issue than any issue with Chirp. I can't imagine that the Chirp program actually affected the video in any way. Um, Unless there's some grounding issue or something like that. Yeah, maybe unless it, yeah, that it's a weird issue and I don't really have an answer, so I, I yeah, apologize. I think it only that. goes it goes like TTL level out to the radio through the pins. So you know, right? Yeah, there's not a lot of the voltage or anything else going there. But I've had some weird things happen with the video stuff <laughs> that's unrelated <laughs> to the actual installation. I actually blew up a Odroid by plugging it into a, a bad monitor that uh, had some voltage running on the uh, HDMI cable on the outside. <laughs> well, so there, it might be nice. worth actually checking that cable just to see if there's some oddness going on there. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of is some kind of interaction grounding issue or something like that. I mean, but it'd be so minuscule, I wouldn't think, you know, if anything, it'd be coming from the video cable, you know, because you know, right. that's where the most power <laughs> is yeah. is driving down that cable. So, uh Yeah. Yeah, don't don't give up on it though. Keep trying to use chirp yeah. with your handheld and everything. It it's worth the, the effort, I'm sure. Yeah, and I mean you do have voltages off that serial port. You do have like you know I, I think there is 12 volts out the back there, maybe De five. Yeah, depending on the pin, yes. Yeah, depending on the pins. So, I mean you you could have a short in the cable and that would be a problem. Too. <laughs> it could definitely be a problem. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that would yeah freak freak everything out because you'd have voltage coming back at ttl levels and yeah that wouldn't be good so <laughs> so yeah i check cabling and uh, hopefully you didn't blow anything up you know permanently there and uh good luck with that uh that chirp yep so don't give up on it keep trying and finally we have an episode 206 comment from john kilo 2 zulu alpha who says the new format is great like it so much i pledged on patreon you guys Yay. were talking about serial port permissions. Here's another tip. When using slash dev slash TTY USB whatever, USB devices are enumerated in the order they're plugged in. Now, I will add something here. That is, if you boot up with USB devices plugged in, they should, although I've noticed that sometimes they don't, enumerate in the same order every time. Now, they, it's, it's yeah, mostly likely, but not 100% <laughs> likely. <laughs> Yeah, I know I was going to come in back and touch on that topic because uh, I ran into the same problem. Um, I, I relied on the TTY names and they all changed after I rebooted. Right. And that and, can happen, especially if you do a kernel upgrade, because sometimes. Especially if you unplug stuff like because, you know, I plug my radios and I plug it into another computer and, and, and do that stuff. So stuff changes. Right. And it's kind of a pain in the butt. And uh, he mentions here the uh, the dev serial ID, the very long ID string which not everything uses that. And I found that CQR log does not like those. Um, and it's probably because um, he doesn't have enough length in the, that storage field or something like that, because some of those IDs can be extremely, extremely long. However, and you can, if, if that's in fact a problem with the, the front-end application, you could create a link somewhere else to the long serial name with a shorter one. There's a better way to do it. Okay. 
Well, let me let me finish with this. Want to get to. Right. Let me finish his comment. Yeah, go right you can get So, uh, but what he says basically is, if, if you want to not have to worry about the enumeration order of the USB ports, you can actually use the serial device ID um, directory path, which is slash dev slash serial slash by dash ID slash the ID string, which will always find the right USB device on the file system and not worry about enumeration order and. Uh, then you can just use that whenever you need to reference the USB port in question. And then he finishes up with 7.3 and keep up the good work. John, Kilo 2 Zulu Alpha. So that is a good tip, and uh, Bill's going to tell us why it doesn't always work. Well, I'm not saying why it doesn't always work, but I'm saying there's a better way. You can actually reserve those TTY USB numbers to specific devices, and you could map those with um, uh, UDEV. And uh, you can set that up. I'm, I'm going to do uh, – I have to do my box – so I'm probably going to do a quick little video on it, on how to do it and how to set it up. It's it's super easy. Basically, you can if you do an LS USB on your box, you can actually see all the uh, serial numbers that you need. You need the uh, manufacturer's ID, which is like the four the first four characters of that ID, and there's the last four characters is the individual ID of the unit. So if you had like the same uh, type of device, you know, have the same first set of numbers and the last set of numbers will be different or number letter combinations um you can actually set it up so like you know when i plug in my icom you know transceiver it's always on usb zero you can actually set that up so you never have to you know worry about changing them on a certain system so if you have all your software configured you don't have to come back in and change it because you know you rebooted or you pulled the device off and plugged it into a different port or you know whatever you know there's there's so many things that can happen that can change it and it does it does get frustrating. <laughs> right. And uh, like I say, the the long IDs, the dev serial by ID does work in some applications, but it does not work in CQR log, at least from my experience. Right. So, so you can um, you can just create a UDEV rule to assign it a static. Exactly. Yeah. And and this is really what they recommend doing for serial devices that you constantly use and pull off and stuff like that. You know, if you always are using them, but they're not always connected. Um, and you don't want to change your software and stuff like that, and, and let's say your your particular application doesn't support the long IDs, you can reserve them in the uh, comp file, and uh, so every time it boots up, you know, and the, you plug that device in, you can unplug, plug, and plug, you know, you know, zillions of different devices in, and that one will always get those IDs, and those become reserved. So basically, another device can't come and be TTY USB zero or TTY USB one, two, three, whatever. And uh, I think that's the ideal way to set it up at least for our perspective when we do ham radio and rig cat control because we kind of want that stuff to be fairly static in the applications all right so look for a youtube video from bill on setting up udev rules that'll be actually pretty handy i think yeah all right very good well that means we're down to the end of announcements and feedback and we're down to the end of our deep dive into ham radio logging so that means i don't we have one more announcement do we have one more announcement? Did I not scroll down far enough? They're, they're, they're going to find you on a podcast soon, aren't they? Oh, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I will be a, well, I was a guest, and uh, I will be a guest when it's released to the general public on the Admin Admin podcast, and I was on what will become episode number 62, and I don't have a release date for when that will actually be put out. It was recorded on Sunday, and I don't know what their cycle is as far as getting the post-production done and, and putting that out, but... Um, I believe the website is like adminadminpodcast.co.uk, something like that. Yeah, and you can find it within any podcast, uh, you know, yeah, any podcast software. Right. You can just search it up and it'll be there. Right. So I talked about my job and as a systems administrator or a DevOps engineer or whatever you want to call what I do. And uh, that's basically what the podcast is about. It's a podcast for DevOps, basically. So. Uh, but I was on it, so if you want to hear me more, about, <laughs> then uh, <laughs> I guess you can tune into the Admin Admin if you, Podcast. If you don't get enough of Russ. Yeah, if you, you don't get yeah, enough of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no one's going to listen to it. I get it. There I get you it. Go. You guys are such a barrel of monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also hosted by one of our listeners, John, G7VRI. So that's that's why I got the nod to be on that, that particular Aww. program. So Inside track, inside track. Yeah. 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 All right, so there we go. We're down to the bottom. So I'm going to, I mean, we've been going really long. These deep dives get deeper and deeper the, the more we talk about them. So anyway, I'm going to push the, the outro button, and we'll see you uh, for the rescheduled weekender, which is going to be uh, this Thursday instead of last Thursday. So 
uh check that out and we'll uh we'll give you some good stuff to to do for this upcoming weekend and yeah, with that 70. uh bill go yep. ahead sign up yep. 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 73 yep. all right <laughs> and cheryl good night everyone all right we'll catch you next time see ya Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke lhspodcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out. in the ham shack and the linux in the ham shack logo are released under a creative commons attribute non-commercial no derivatives 4.0 international license